You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Once again, USA Hockey wins the World Junior Championship. Red, white, blue, and gold. What an absolute call there by Stevie Nelson at the end of the USA-Canada World Junior Championship. Welcome to episode 93 of 2, 5, and 10. What up, Benny? The Peter Nedved episode. How about that one? Peter Nedved. I know you said you had one. I wasn't thinking it was that, (laughs) so perfect. As soon as I heard 93, I'm like, the check line, New York Rangers, Peter Nedved. But we're finally here. It's the last pre-hockey episode. For the 2021 season, we have our predictions for our favorite division, as well as the Western Pacific, California, whatever division. Uh, we have our award picks, some news that came out uh, today and yesterday, and you know we'll get right right into it. We'll probably spend a significant amount of time compared to last week on a Rangers and Bruins breakdown. <laughs> yeah, was a, mainly there. Everybody else will touch, but mainly there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess we'll start off really quickly. Uh, I roster cutdown day has started uh, today, and I think they have till noon tomorrow for the teams that open up on Thursday, like the Rangers and Islanders. Uh, but some significant names, at least, uh, were placed on waivers today: Corey Perry, Tyler Johnson, Luke Shen, Louis Erickson, Matthew Perot, who I, I think, hey, you never know, put him on a line with uh, Bergey. Uh, Kelly Rosen in Toronto, Michael Froelich, and Martin Morrison, and Noah Juleson, who I'm sure not many people know about, but I think he has a great last name, Juleson, and uh, uh, Cara in Edmonton, who is one of the worst forwards in the National Hockey League, so there you go. Yeah, I wasn't surprised about Jun Jun Kara. Um, the Corey Perry one really surprised me, just with them going out last week on the limb and signing him, and then now he's on waivers, so either the body is not what we expect it to be or maybe the worm just had too much tequila and waiting for camp and kind (laughs) of ruined it yeah not really too sure what happened there but i was definitely surprised to see him go across the waiver wire um ex-boston bruin david backus getting waived by the anaheim ducks um i can't say i'm surprised just because it, it seems like Anaheim had a whole bunch of prospects that just ended up going to camp, so I think they're transitioning yeah. to a much younger team. Um, yeah, it's just a, a lot of teams, and I mean, teams that aren't even strapped to the cap getting rid of guys, so that's what makes it weird to me, in a sense. Well, the thing for me, the taxi squad, this is all cap maneuvering. Like, Tyler Johnson is not going to the mine early to the AHL for the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's going to happen is they cleared his $5 million salary off the cap. If he clears waivers, they can just put him on a taxi squad, and his cap hit won't count against the cap for this entire year the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I think Corey Perry isn't going anywhere. I think some of these guys, like Louis Erickson, these are all going to be guys that are on a taxi squad. And then... Um, if they're needed throughout the year, they'll just get put on, put off, put on, put off. Once they clear waivers once, I believe they don't have to clear waivers again to go back to the taxi squad. So Yeah, the taxi is squad like, is something yeah. completely different. I think you're right. It's just this initial one to get there, and then they can go up and down. Yeah. And 
like I said, the Matthew Perot, yeah, he has like a four million dollar cap hit, four point two or something like that. I don't and know a lot of hair. Into your, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that would fit into your guys' cap situation right now. But if it was doable, like you, you can take worse risks than a guy who's shown sports production when only you need him to be on a top line for maybe a month, and then you can just sign him back down, put him on a power play, or whatever. So I don't know if that's a fit there. But yeah, this is all taxi squad stuff. I'm sure tomorrow we're gonna see some uh, things going down with the Rangers and the Islanders, uh, and getting guys over to there too. So, yeah, are you uh, are you expecting any certain Rangers to be on that taxi squad, or how do you see the roster kind of shaping up in this next day? Yeah, so uh, Potato needs to make the roster. And the reason why I say he needs to make it, he's a depth guy. Like, in a normal year, he'd be in the AHL, and he'd be, like, a first call-up for the Rangers. But he needs to play 19 games this season in order to qualify to be left exposed in the expansion draft this summer. And having him exposed helps the Rangers meet the requirement of veteran defensemen that need to be exposed in the draft. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to make the taxi squad. He's going to get into 19 games and only 19 games. Games, unless there's an injury to clear that spot. Um, and then I think it's a battle between Brandon Smith and... Because with the taxi squad, you don't need healthy scratches. It's basically the guys you're starting and everybody else is in the minors on the taxi squad. So I think it's a battle between Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson on who's going to be in the top six for the Rangers. Uh, it sounds like health-wise, if he's good to go, Keandre Miller, Rangers first-round pick from a couple years ago, is going to make the top six. And in so fairness, he better. should make the top six. Yeah, if he... Listen, I know a lot of defensemen start off in the AHL to get adjusted to the pros, get some coaching. He's still very raw. He only started playing defense a few years ago. So it's not like he's had a lifetime uh, to adapt to the position. But if even still, if he can't beat out Jack fucking Johnson, like, we're in deep shit with our former first-round pick. Like, even if it's only for 15, 20 games, and then he rotates him with a guy like... Hayek or something like that, that's fine. But if he can't beat out Jack Johnson for a spot, we're in some serious trouble. Yeah, um, I but mean, other than that, it's just depth guys. Like, is Brett Howden going to be in a taxi squad, or is he going to be on a fourth line? Uh, really, the Rangers don't have too many guys that they need. They need to put on a taxi squad for cap reasons. It's just going to be. It's basically shuffling the last few roster spots for us. I don't know how it's going to be for you. Ours is the exact same thing. It's just figuring out where guys are slotting. Like, currently, uh, the Bruins had Jack Studnika up with where Pasta would be, so with Bergeron and Marchand. Uh, he'll probably start the season there and then switch out. I know Trent Frederick is battling with Anders Bjork for that last spot, so one of them will be on the taxi squad. Um, John Moore is probably going to be on the taxi squad. And then it's whoever that other defenseman might be, whether they're going to put Kevin Miller or if it'll be Jakob Zaborl or if it's going to be Eurovacanine. And so just just minor, nothing really up and down in the sense of waivers or anything like that. Just trying to solidify actual roster compared to healthy scratches compared to a taxi squad. So no up and down, just Is that a signing. Does the AHL get a taxi squad? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, you know? I, I remember we were in the AHL. We'd always like legit. Somebody would go down in the way. At least the AHL worked when we when I was working in it was 
we would look at basically the ECHL stat line <laughs> and be like, oh, well, he got the most goals of the ECHL. Let's call yep. him up. And, and that's how call ups worked. And I mean, funny, not funny. Like they'd be on PTOs. Guys would get healthy. They'd go back down. They'd come back up. I forget the name of that one of the kids, but we brought him up the year I was there. Then he went back down, and then the year after that, he actually won a spot at Worcester Camp, and he was actually on the roster. I forget his name, but um, yeah, I mean, you never know where you're going to end up. I guess Andrew Desjardins is another one of those guys. He was playing yeah. in the fucking the CHL, and then he went to the E, and he got an invite to camp, and I mean, ended up being a Stanley Cup champion, so... Yeah, he earned that. Yeah, I mean, uh, take your chances when you get them. The, uh, and the San Jose organization, at least during their run for like the last 10 years up until last year, were known for just churning out these college free agents, undrafted, or late-round picks, six-round picks, into like just solid depth guys on a back end or on a fourth line, just year after year, just finding these guys. Uh, Berkey did a great job of that. He he was incredible <laughs> at finding talent and the guy would be at so many games. Like we'd be on a road game in Springfield. Like we wouldn't even be in Worcester in a home game and there, and there'd be Berkey in the dressing room. Uh, he was their director of scouting, yeah. Tim Burke. Now he is their one of their assistant GMs. And I mean, absolute great guy. And you always knew when he was talking because he had this voice and it was like, almost like smoker smokerish but like a little scratchy at the same time like you always knew when Berkey was talking and I, I can't believe I'm blanking on a dude's name he worked in the San Jose front office he was a former player he came to the AHL with Ricci that time uh so there remember? was Ricci there was Marchment uh Marchment Brian Marchman, he dude, Mush was the fucking man, dude. <laughs> dude, I was outside, like in the tunnel area during pregame, and I turned around. And now again, I knew he was a former player just by his stature, but I'm like, I can't place the face to a name. And then he looks over, and I'm standing there with one, uh, the intern for that year that was working with the uh, score table, and he looked, and you remember, I never wore a suit jacket. So it was just a suit, uh, the shirt, and a tie. And he looked at me and goes, you lose your fucking jacket? <laughs> God, dude, Mush was the like, best. Uh, I was like, oh, it's up in the office. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to make sure to see you. You better be wearing it next time I see you. If you're not wearing it, that's bullshit. I'm like, oh, fuck. So <laughs> I went to link Eric. I was just like, Eric, I need a jacket, man. He's like, what the fuck are you looking at me for? He's <laughs> like, well, you don't you wear yours while you're recording the game, so yeah, can so I just like, wear, I wear it? Yours? I was like, it's a little big. I was like, I don't want to get my fucking face caved in by Marshment down there. <laughs> oh, dude. No, Mush was the man. Like, when it came to genuine, like, nice guy off the ice, like, I know when he played, he was an absolute nutcase, and I'm sure if you asked him, he would reference that. But when it came to actual, like, genuinely nice guy off the ice, we would sit there, we'd have conversations, and just... A really like nice guy. Yeah. Like. No, and uh, I will say, too, Mike Ricci is an absolute beauty. I loved <laughs> Ricci. Like, the shit. great dome. Oh, my God. Like, still had the hair, still had the schnoz. <laughs> like, it, still just in tip-top shape in the sense of he could chirp you with the best of them. Like, yeah, I loved. I, th those guys were the best. Mush and Ricci. I just want to point out that I know it, it was a different era at the time. But for the Chicago Blackhawks, 
1992-93 season, Marshman had 313 penalty minutes. Hmm. In 926 career games, he has 2,300 penalty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit. Hey, the the, the guy could chuck year, him. I'm assuming because of suspensions. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll tell you a story off air about suspensions. You'll like this All one. Right. <laughs> uh, and the other thing uh, we were talking about, like the taxi squad, and you're talking about Trent Frederick and that roster battle. Uh, the Athletic today started their uh, 2021 NHL prospect rankings by organization, and coming in dead last, the Boston Bruins. I mean, I'm not surprised. We're we're very top heavy in the sense of prospects, but at the same time. I think it all depends on where exactly they rank guys. Like, for example, Euro Vakaninen, is he considered a prospect or is he considered on the roster? I, I think he's a really good prospect if he's not. Um, Trent Frederick, Jack Stadnika, I think those are two top tiers. John Beecher, another top tier still in college, but once as he comes out, he'll sign. If we can get Jakob Lobko to his back to his junior rank where he was scoring all those goals. I mean, I think that's another key guy. And one guy that always seems to get forgotten here is that Jack Akan that we ended up getting from St. Cloud State. I mean, the kid from the D end puts in a lot of points. So, I mean, yes and no to the athletic. I guess it all depends on if they're discussing future, if they think guys are on the roster right now would be my only rebuttal. So, Mm. yeah. Um, and then the other piece of news that came out today, the NHL confirmed finally that they're going to be hosting two outdoor games, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights and the Bruins and the Flyers at Lake Tahoe. The and pictures look dope. Resident, yeah, the pictures look great. There's going to be no fans. It's basically just going to be a four television event. They're going to have sponsorship. This is just like the decals on the helmets and the sponsored divisional names. It's just a way to try and get some type of revenue for the year uh, since they don't know if their fans, the fans are going to be allowed. But um, yeah, as a former California resident who has frequented Lake Tahoe, I wish there were fans allowed. I would totally go to an outdoor game there. It's going to be a great setting. It's taking place, where is it going to be? February. Ooh, February in Lake Tahoe, man. We're going to have a lot of snow on the ground. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a great avenue. There was no outdoor winter classic on New Year's Day, obviously. So this is kind of like replaces that. Um, I'm kind of tired of seeing the Bruins and Flyers in these outdoor fucking games. No offense. Like, it's almost every other year. It's the Penguins, Blackhawks, Bruins, or Flyers. Uh, but that Avalanche Golden Ice game should be real good. A, a lot of action probably in Vegas for that one. <laughs> yeah, they're close by. So... Um, yeah, so those are just some quick news bits that came out that we wanted to address. Uh, also, well wishes to Jay Bowmeister announced his retirement today. Uh, pretty damn good career for, from, for the former first-round pick. Yeah, over 1,200 games. He, he did pretty good. Uh, gold medal got world championship, cup. got his cup, gold medal at the Olympics. I believe it was a gold medal at the World Junior, so he joined that, uh, the trifecta, the Canada trifecta, and the cup. So hats off to Jay Bowmeister. Yeah, didn't Scott Niedermeyer win like the Grand Slam? They called it like he's he won every major team title in hockey from juniors through the NHL. Yeah, and he probably like got a Norris thrown in there too. So it was like, ah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just just a toss in. It's fine. 
but all right, now we'll get to the real fun stuff. Our final two divisional previews will start out west. Uh, we can run through it like we did last week for this division in a sense of uh, what, who are your playoff teams. doesn't have to be in order. Uh, first coach fired from this division, if there is a coach fired from this division this year. And just some overall thoughts about how you see the division shaking out. Uh, I think Anaheim is going to surprise some people. I think they're transitioning mm-hmm. to a younger team for the future. Uh, is going to be crucial for them. I think L.A. is about one year away from that. I think next year a lot of L.A.'s top-notch prospects are going to jump in, and then they'll start transitioning to a lot younger as well. As for playoff teams, I, I don't think there's any surprise here. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas, those are my teams. Mm, I think okay. I think Minnesota is going to make a push. I, I don't see them there just yet. I still don't like San Jose, uh, just not there. And uh, like I said about Minnesota, oh, I'm sorry, Minnesota, L.A. and Anaheim, I, I just think they're too young right now. But yeah. I think next year is finally going to when they're going to start turning it around. So that's my guess. As for coaches that will be fired, I honestly don't think any from this division will. Um, I, I think DeBoer in Vegas is safe. I think Baruby safe. San Jose, they just brought Bugner back, so I think he's fine. Minnesota's fine. Uh, Jesus, McClellan in LA's fine. He just got there. Bedner's fine in Colorado. Talk, it's fine. So, like, I, I just don't see anyone just getting completely gassed. I, I just don't see it. It's just too short of a season. I think the expectations in this division are what they are. Like, like I don't think... Yeah. Like, I think it's a clear line. Yeah, so so that's why I just don't think it's going to be extremely drastic. You know, that's why I think maybe next year if teams start slipping, maybe there'll be some changes. But I, I just think the teams that are better in this division, like Arizona, Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas, like they're definitely better than the other teams. Like it's not like yeah, there's a question or an argument. I think Minnesota, like I said, is on the line. But outside of that. I mean, San Jose did nothing to get better. Nothing. Well, they brought in Devin Dubnik, the only goaltender worse than Martin Jones. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, so their tag team duo back there should be incredible. So, And, I mean, now they got Evander Kane just filing for bankruptcy, too. So I feel like when it, oh rains, it, when it rains, it pours right there in San Jose. See, so I'm going to disagree with you on one point. I agree Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas – making the playoffs unless something catastrophic happens. Um, talk about if this was a full 82-game season and this was the division, I could see all three of those teams being over 100 points because of how shitty the rest of the division is. Oh, yeah. This is the worst division in hockey this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so when it comes to the fourth spot, I just don't think Arizona had, like, has much of anything going on, especially offensively. Like... I think you, know, you spend time looking at some of the advanced stats and looking at how, you know, if you substitute this guy for this guy, how would that make an impact? I think one of the most underrated signings, I'm not saying he's going to win a Vezina, but just bringing competence to the goal is Camp Talbot in Minnesota. I think if they can just get average goaltending, and Talbot can give you a little bit more their playoff team because i love their depth on defense yeah they're a little light especially down the middle up front but i think just overall 
like you're not gonna get embarrassed if you're the Minnesota Wild this year. And I think in a division with San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, and LA, all varying stages of either rebuilding or coming up, I think that fourth spot is there for the taking in Minnesota. I think if Minnesota doesn't get that playoff spot, that I know Billy Guerin has already started reshaping the roster. I don't know if Everson makes it out, to be honest. Like, you, that roster should be able to get that fourth spot in my mind. And I, to be honest, I even have San Jose above Arizona just because I'm expecting bounce backs from Carlson and Burns, uh, you know, Couture, Hurt. Like, I think even San Jose, despite the shitty combination of goal that they have, can overcome. Um, in a regular season over a, a 56 game year, it's not going to be by much, but they'll outpace Arizona, I think, in my head. I have in order Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, Minnesota as the playoff teams. Uh, yeah, no, out. Uh, Clayton <laughs> I also Keller. Agree, no coach is going to get fired in this division. It's going to be the only division that doesn't have a coach fired this year unless Minnesota collapses. Yeah, I mean, Clayton Keller is going to have a breakout year. He, he's finally on the big boy money. They they still got Phil Kessel there killing it. Nick Schmaltz there. Uh, Lawson Krause, I think, is finally going to have a good year for the big fella. Big boy. And then they just signed Big Dick Derek. And then when you get to their <laughs> bottom guys of Connor Guyland and Barrett Hayton, like these guys are on entry levels, but they play a good game. Like I, I just think they're yeah. good. And the biggest thing for them is their D. Uh, you got Ekman Larson, who's still there. Goligoski, Jalmerson, Chikrin, Demers. And then they still have that two-headed monster in net and Kempfer and Ranta. Like, I just think that it's going to be hard to beat this team. I'm not going to put money on it because I'm, I am already in a hole a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I just think, like, if, like, I went through it, and if Cam Talbot from last season was in Minnesota last season, they would have had, I think, six more wins. So a twelve point swing in the standings. Do you and think so kind of, do you think he would have stole them was. six more games? What was that? Do you think he would have stole them six more games? Even if you go four, that's a. If you look at the standings from last year, that helps him jump over a handful of teams. Those eight points. So, yeah, it's a different year. Changes have been made. I just I like the coaching staff in Minnesota. I just the back end, the talent there, and just. The difference between Devin Dubnik and Cam Talbot is like pretty significant. Yeah, now, if they can jump fair. over Arizona, it's another another question. I just think Minnesota is going to be significantly better than they were last year. All right, well, we shall see, my friend. Time <laughs> will tell. We're almost there. Yeah, <laughs> um, and now we'll move on to the final and favorite division. I don't want to call. I'm just calling it the East. Like no other bullshit involved. You don't want to call it the Amtrak division? Yeah, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> so I know we'll spend a little bit more time, obviously, on the Bruins or Rangers individually, uh, giving, like, I guess season previews or, like, some things you need to look out for. But division-wise, who are your four playoff teams and takeaways from the division and first coach fired? All right, playoff teams. We have Washington, Philadelphia, the New York Rangers, and then the Boston Bruins in the wild card spot. The Rangers over the Bruins. I, I do see it. I, I think that the Bruins without David Pasternak at first are going to be 
struggling a little bit. I, I feel like that's always one issue we have is uh, contributions from other parts of the roster, especially when that line's not going. So without starting them at the beginning of the year, pasta being out, I think that's going to hurt us a little bit coming out of the gate. I think we, well, we eventually can end the podcast right now. Oh, I like where we are. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Yeah. I think uh, it's just one of those things. I think we're going to stumble a little bit out of the gate and then kind of get back on track and find our way and, you know, right the ship a little bit. As for first coach fired, I have Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. I personally love Sully. I just don't think this lineup gets up done. They always seem to be injury written. And in a short season like this, Jimmy Rutherford, he wants wins. He wants to make a run. And I just don't see them making that jump this year. Uh, The Islanders, I think even with them re-signing Barzell, I don't think their defense is good enough. I think that losing Taves is a huge hit for them. And they're not going to be able to withstand Washington, Philly, and Boston just with they're okay and they have a great system in place with Barry Trotz, but I still think that you need the personnel to make it effective. So that's why I don't have the Islanders in the playoffs this year. Where do you have them finishing? Because the Islanders are an interesting test case. Do you ha- I know they're, you have them behind out of the playoffs. Do you have them behind Pittsburgh? Or are no, they I think six? Like, I think they're just after Boston and then Pittsburgh. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, just I don't know. There's just something about the so Islanders. Sully, Sully will have a job like an hour after he's let go. Oh, agreed. Like, like I, I honestly don't think it'll even be Sully's fault. I, I think it's just one of those things yeah. where the way that Changed. this team is and constantly trying to fit certain pieces into a puzzle like we talked about marino last week and how that's now going to affect them for the future uh and then just kind of some of the things that they have on this roster like you, you got an aging brian rust is he able to contribute the way he has jared mccann i just think that outside of sid and malkin you need gensel to perform is he going to be the same after his shoulder don't know is Jason Zucker going to go in there and be the Jason Zucker he's been in the past like I don't want to say there's question marks because these guys are proven but Pittsburgh just always seems to be injury written a little bit and it's just going to be very hard to keep it the way it is in a sense and I'm just I I don't know what it is about him this year I I just got a big asterisk next to him so we're pretty much on the same page and this division is brutal. Like it's, you can make a case for six or seven teams to potentially finish in a top four if you spend enough time looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in order, I have the Flyers winning the division. Ooh, over Washington, I like it. All right. Yep, I have Washington finishing second. I still have Boston finishing third. I just can't, in good conscience, even though I'm a Rangers fan, I just can't see it like i still think you guys have one more year in you with this group of getting the benefit of the doubt all right uh, uh, and then i had the rangers finishing fourth that was my one change i had pittsburgh in four for like two weeks and then i was just, i was like i need to go with my gut like just looking at the rosters you know seeing and hearing how kako has looked in camp on that second line panarin i think he's gonna have a 
fucking monster year. And the advantage and goal that the Rangers have over Pittsburgh and a lot of teams, to be honest. So I have those four teams in the playoffs. I have Pittsburgh fifth, Islanders sixth, Buffalo, and New Jersey. Uh, the first coach fired, I have Bruce Cassidy. Oh, so you think they go to change? All right. Yeah, I go. I don't think any coach in this division gets fired during the year. I think once the season's over, you know, Char's gone. You have a couple of free agents coming up. It's con- it kind of feels like a change. And, you know, there's always complaints. I mean, it's Boston. Everybody complains about everything. But there's always complaints about Cassidy, even when he took him on a deep runs and everything. I just think... I don't see Cassidy sticking around for a transitional rebuild. So not necessarily a firing, but maybe just a parting of, of ways. Uh, but those are my playoff team picks. And I'll, yeah, go ahead with Boston. Kind of like where the roster's shaking out, how you're looking outside you know, after the offseason. And where, are you, where can you see Boston looking to make a move at the deadline? I think deadline-wise, I think it all depends as to how good we are to that point. I mean, obviously, that's the right answer to say, but it's like, are we going to, like, how bad are we going to need secondary scoring? Like, uh, is our second line going to contribute? Are we going to have Jake DeBrus showing up every night, or are we going to need to get a guy just in case? Um, Currently, right now, on that line, it is DeBrus, Krejci, and Kasha. I guess they've looked okay from reports, but I mean, everyone always looks okay in training camp. You, you know, you never really hear a report about someone looks like absolute shit in training camp. So it's like, yeah, uh, I guess the third line's currently shaping up with Nick Ritchie, Charlie Coyle, and Craig Smith. That is a big line body wise. Like there is a lot of man on that line. Like that's probably over 700 pounds that line. Like that that's a lot of meat. Um I guess Just Nick Ritchie. Yeah. I guess Nick Ritchie is uh currently on the second power play, which is fucking crazy to me, but he's currently there. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming he's probably gonna be that net front presence. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I just I don't know what to expect from this team. It's it's one of those things we have the bottom line of uh Corrali Wagner and then whoever they put with them is David Pasternak going to come back and in a season that is so short is he just going to be rusty and that's a huge thing right now because I mean if he comes back rusty it it's a problem because we're going to need this team firing on all cylinders on such a short season so it, it makes me a little nervous uh, Tuka Rask, I guess, has been incredible in camp. I, I, he's looked great. All the videos I've seen, he's looked really good. We've discussed this decor for f- months now. Um, yeah. Charlie McAvoy has been switching off with Jeremy Lozon and Jakob Zaborl. Uh, Grizzlick and Carlo seem to be that second pair. And then it just seems to be a crapshoot as for the last two spots as to who it's finally going to be. It seems like Kevin Miller's probably like going to get a Connor shot. Clifton, I, I do like Connor Clifton. Uh, I mean, young defenseman, the, a little bit smaller in stature, but uh, very steady. So th- this is the year. I mean, if you want to see if Charlie McAvoy is going to be an elite defenseman, this is the year. Like, 
he needs to carry this team on his shoulders if it's going to be him against the world. I'm just, it's the first time in years I honestly just don't know what to expect. It's just a little strange, and it's not COVID-related, just kind of the way shit broke down. It's Welcome to the real hockey world, my friend, after a decade-plus of consistency. Yeah, like, and I mean, I get that. I'm not naive, but it's like, all right, we're transitioning to a younger defensive core. Great, but one of those things, you brought up the deadline, we would probably have to get a solid D guy at the deadline that's going to be UFA at the end of the year because we're probably not going to be able to sign him. So no, Brendan Smith, you know? No, 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 no. I said, <laughs> I said solid. That, that's not solid, my friend. So I, I don't know. I guess we'll see wherever it takes us. Allegedly, once as the season gets underway, the Bruins and David Krejci are already discussing an extension. And did you see that the Bruins, like, partially pranked Berge giving a Marshy oh, the C. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. I'm surprised Bergie didn't lose his fucking mind. Like, get up, already get ready to shake hands, and then here comes Marshy. The yeah, like, th- there was no blink. There was no nothing. That's just, you know, Marshy probably trying to get his way in there. I, I thought it was funny, and no, um, I don't want to say that Patrice Bergeron is now a new leader, because I feel like he's led this team for many years, even though Big Z has worn the captaincy, but with this now officially all being on his shoulders, I would like to see as to um, if he can take it to new heights. And I know, obviously, it's never just the captain that dictates as to how far or how good you go in the season, but I can already hear the Bruins people saying that Bergie's not a good leader because they're not in the playoff race or something like that. Like, and I, I can already fucking hear it. Like, just stupidity running rampant. That's all. Welcome to Phil Grimes. Yeah, legit. Exactly. Every day at two o'clock, I can hear the bashing. So, <laughs> um, who up front? Because you know, we like you said, we talked about the Bruins' defense for a while. We know the names involved and kind of what the expectations are. What player, if you were talking about the Bruins to a a casual hockey fan, up front would be in for it? I don't know if it's a surprise year. Or like, uh, he greatly exceeds expectations. If he can continue the play that he had in the bubble, I would say Andre Kasha. Um, he didn't get any okay. goals in the bubble, but I mean, he, he was bouncing around. He was hitting everything that moved. He was using that big body. He was getting to the dirty areas. I think now with more time under his belt with DeBrusque and Krejci, hopefully they can build something. And... I'm going to say Charlie Coyle. I think that he gives you a steady year every year just in general, but I think he's really going to break out this year. Charlie has Craig Smith on that wing, and, I mean, Smith can put pucks in the net, and I just think that there's going to be a lot of Charlie in the corner to Craig Smith at the dot just burying goals. I just think that that's going to be a great connection, and, Hopefully it can continue. I mean, they're both under contract for the next few years. If Krejci left, who's to see next year? I think Coyle jumps up there. J- Coyle just, just steps up? Just and on the money alone. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. um, <coughs> I, I don't know Rangers. if they would make Corrali that 3C if Coyle stepped up. I don't know what they would do there. I think they'd have to figure that out. But Corrali uh, 3C. Um Moving over to the Rangers, this is going to be pretty quick just because the 
Pacers roster, especially for a rebuilding team, is pretty much like set. Everybody knows what the fucking deal is. Uh, the Rangers' offense is going to be more than fine again this year. Uh, everybody, pretty much everybody, comes back from the team last year, and then they add Lafreniere. So, like, even if there's a regression on a part of uh, Ryan Strom uh, or Panarin or even Mika with the goal scoring, like, there's enough depth there where we're going to be fine. You have Kreider, Zibanejad, Buchnevic, first line, Panarin, Strom, and Kako, second line. Uh, Lafreniere, Heedle, and Gauthier on the third line, which I think is, like, I've been penciling in that line since we won the first overall pick in the lottery. And everybody's like, who's going to be on the right side with uh, Panarin? And I'm like, it has to be Kako. Like, he was drafted second overall last year. And then it's like, okay, well, who's playing on the third line? Everybody kept talking about the Rangers bring back Foss. Do they move Brett Howden up? I'm like, you got to give the Kate Gauthier a chance. Monster size, he has no ability to pass the puck. He's basically just either a goal scorer or going to the front end of the net. And they finally had that line together in camp and in the scrimmages. And him and Lafreniere have seemingly, I mean, it's camp scrimmages. It's something too crazy. They have a lot of chemistry together. So The French connection. Think, yeah, apparently. So Philip Hedl, poor kid, he came over to the States and he busted his ass to learn English. And his two line mates talk to each other in French. <laughs> so he has no idea what the fuck's going on. I just don't think they want to talk to him, the poor guy. Like, there has to yeah, be something about maybe. him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think well, I think the Rangers, obviously, for a young team like we have, you can always say, oh, these young guys are going to have a, a breakout year. But when you have the talent of a lottery pick, being on your third line and not being rushed, that's great. When you have Philip Hedl, who is also a first-round pick, Julian Gauthier, also a first-round pick, on your third line and having chemistry, I think that sets you up really well. And then you have guys like Lemieux, Howden, Morgan Barron, Justin Richards, uh, Di Giuseppe on a fourth line. That's just going to be a rotating cast. Um, in goal, you have Shishurkin and, and uh, Georgiev. You're fine there, as long as they're healthy. And then on the back end is where the questions start coming in. So the Rangers took my advice and they switched D'Angelo to the left side, even though he's a right-hand shot because he used to play the left-hand side when he was in the uh, juniors and first starting out in the AHL. Uh, so he's playing with Chuba, and I'm really hoping that D'Angelo can handle that assignment because that would help fill a really, really big fucking hole in the top four. Um, that would but also allow Lindgren to stay with Adam Fox on the second pair. And then the third pair boils down to which young prospect is going to be paired up with Jack Johnson or Brendan Smith. So uh, you're not going to see too much of that third pair. So it looks like it's Keandre Miller. Uh, I'm sure Hayek's going to get some time in there. Matthew Robertson might get some time in there. And then Smith and Johnson just going to rotate in. Potato, like I mentioned, is going to be in there. So it's really just a matter of development for the Rangers this year. Like, I don't... At the deadline, they'll probably trade Buchnevich just because he's going to be RFA. They have Kako. Uh, Lafreniere is going to have to be in the top six next year, which means Kreider is going to switch over to the right side. And automatically right there, Buchnevich is now pushed to the third line. You're not going to pay him four and a half, five million million playing your third line. So he might get moved to the deadline. Um, but it's really about can Kako step forward? What kind of year can you get out of Gauthier? Lafreniere's transition to the league, and also, can Philip Heedle show that he's ready to be the 2C next 
year, which would allow the Rangers to clear Strom's cap hit out and then promote Heedle up. So a lot of what happens this year and next year depends on what three or four young players do this year. So no pressure. How big of a leash do you think Kako has? Just because last year wasn't really a breakout year, and obviously it's his first year. It's a transition. Oh, it was a terrible year. So, I mean, like, what is exactly expected of him this year? I think it's – so this was like – it turned into a running gag with even his teammates. If he had a bad period, he had a bad game. If he had a bad game, he had a bad week, which turned into a bad month because – he was so down on himself. I think he was just so used to dominating with his size that once he got to the NHL and he's just like, oh, I can't really dominate like I used to. He just lost all confidence in his game. So when he played in a bubble, he played extremely well. So I think it's a matter of, I mean, he's still so young, and I know we drafted him second overall, and there's a lot of expectations. But if you get 15 to 20 goals out of him and he plays solid, like – two-way hockey, I'd be happy with that. If he, if the regular season ends and he's looking at like seven goals and 25 points, I'm going to be real fucking concerned about, you know, Alexander Digg territory. <laughs> and speaking of the young gun, Lafreniere, I mean, obviously I think he has higher expectations than Kako, and I don't think it's just a number one, number two thing. I think yeah. he came out just a lot better of a player. If he comes into the NHL and slips a little bit on that third line, do you think there's any point of him making it to the second line just for confidence and kind of playing with a little bit better players trying to get his mojo back? Or, or what do you think on that if it kind of skids a little bit at first? Yeah, that's the thing. I remember when they arranged won the lottery, like, we don't need a left winger. Did we trade the first overall pick for Jack Eichel? Um, I think Lafreniere is going to start out on the third line. They're going to see if he develops chemistry and gives the Rangers three lines they can roll that can generate offense. But he's going to get a ton of power play time with the big boys. Uh, if he proves he deserves more ice time, like, then you got some decisions to make because he's not moving to the right side. Panarin's not moving to the right side. Kreider's always play left wing, but everybody seems to think he's the guy that would slot over to the right side. And if that's the case you got to remove Buchnevich or Kako from your top six. And if those two guys are having good years, they get bumped. Like, I mean, it's a good problem to have. The Rangers have like 10 or 11 top six forwards. <laughs> so like, I'm not really complaining too much, but it's a delicate balance where, yeah, you want to reward some of these young guys, but it's not worth it if you're going to throw off two other lines to do so. All right, and I guess my last question is, in previous years, we've discussed David Quinn on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like now he has a very capable roster in front of him. If this team comes out skidding, I mean, is he out? Or what? what is the exact move for the Rangers? So his number one objective when he was hired was he's a good teacher and he's a good development coach. And... He's gotten a lot out of Tony D'Angelo, which is great. Uh, Adam Fox had a great rookie year, but I feel like Adam Fox would have had a great rookie year if I was his head coach. Um, I think Adam Fox is going to be the best Rangers defenseman since Brian Leach. So I think the talent can carry him. But 
He's got nothing out of Elias Anderson, who is now out of the organization. He's got nothing out of Filipino. He's got nothing out of Kako last year. Buchnevich has had a rough go of it under him, and everybody keeps expecting a breakout from him, but then he, not saying he's a bad player, but he always reverts back to who he's been. No development there. Uh, Howden has stalled in his development. Lemieux has stalled in his development. So if the Rangers struggle this year, and especially if the young guys, like if Panarin has a bad year, then you know, you're fucked no matter what. But if these young guys continue to have poor showings, it's like, okay, we brought him in to be a developer. He's not developing. So why the fuck did we have him? And I think the Rangers have the talent to make it to playoffs. I'm not saying they can make a deep run. But I think if they skid or if they, if they have trouble this year, questions will be asked. But I think the question is going to be asked this summer anyway, even if he has a good year. Is this the guy that's ready to take this team from where they were when the rebuild started to competing with the likes of Tampa Bay, Carolina, Philadelphia for a Stanley Cup shot here. All right. One team we did not reference is the team across the river. In New Jersey. New Jersey. And I don't think the roster gets it done this year, but one thing I do see looking at this roster is that going into the end of this season and into next year, there is a lot of red UFAs on their board. If they can clear out a lot of cap space, I mean, do you see New Jersey as one of those free agent destinations? I mean, just being across the river, they don't get as much media and things like that. You can kind of go there and live a normal life. Do you think they could actually get some people there, or do you still think uh. one of those teams? Because they, they haven't done it lately. I mean, they, they're they not the dynasty they were in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. I think they get the stigma of how the organization was, even when they were winning in the, in the 90s, playing in the Meadowlands and the Drab Arena. Uh, no, no offense to whoever's listening, but they had trouble drawing fans even when they were winning Stanley Cups in the regular season. So I think that reputation carries them. The arena is beautiful. Like you said, it's close to the city. You can live in Westchester if you wanted to and still make it to the arena if you want. It's just not much going on in Newark. Uh, I will I put it this way. If there's a big-time free agent out there and they're settled, kind of like settled down in life. Like you're not looking at a single guy who's 26, 27, who's a prime free agent. I don't think he signs in New Jersey. But if you're looking at a guy who late 20s, he, you know, he's calmed down in life or he has a family. Yeah, if you if you have a contract on the table, seven years, 56 million dollars in New Jersey, and the next deal is seven years, 48 million. I would take New Jersey. Like, you look at the talent level, they have a chance to make a move in the next few years, especially once divisions go back to the way they're supposed to be. I just don't know if New Jersey has the appeal. Let me put it this way. Out of all three teams in the New York area, New Jersey is number two for free agents after the Rangers. Like, I'd rather play with New Jersey for seven, eight years because of the way the organizations run versus the Islanders. All right, that's fair. And sorry headed, if, that, if that was a long response. <laughs> no, that's fine. And uh, heading up north, I mean, do you think the addition of Taylor Hall to Buffalo changes them? Because I mean, it's Taylor Hall, it's Eric Stahl. I mean, th- they've made a couple additions here. Do you think finally 
Rasmus Stalin makes that massive jump. Like, I feel like yeah, I there's so. some question marks, but I mean, there could be answers as well. Yeah, I think I like Omar and Goal. Like, I think he is underrated. I still think they need to make a few moves on the back end uh, to really start competing. If they can get, I mean, Jeff Skinner, like, can he be as big? bad as he was last year again like brutal no you gotta think he has to be better yeah i think Taylor hall scores 40 this year even in 56 games like i think he's pun intended tailor made to (laughs) play in a wing with jack eichel (laughs) so i think he has a monster year i'm kind of hoping he signs long term because he strikes me as a guy that doesn't want the big media frenzy so like i rule out playing in canada again I don't see him playing in a major media market. And if he finds a situation finally in his career where he's playing with a guy like Eichel, the team's kind of on a rise, like, why not take that money? Well, I was so, going to say, I mean, if he finally has a guy he likes playing with, I mean, him and yeah. Eichel could be under contract for a long time together. And everybody loves Kruger. So I'm, I, I would put it to you this way. If the divisions were normal, I would have Buffalo making the playoffs in your division. Okay. Just this year, they're going to get crushed because just the talent level of the other teams. But they're not, they're going to be like lottery level bad. I really like Taylor Hall in Buffalo. I think 30, 40 goals, yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to move into our award picks before we make our Stanley Cup pick? Uh, lay it on me, baby. Where are we going first? All right, let's do award picks. Um, I had a thought in my mind of you. Once again, not having the ability to only choose one. So <laughs> I, I chose the winner and the runner-up for each of these awards. <laughs> um, I'll start out with the Norris. I do have Rasmus Dahlin winning the Norris Trophy this year. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I have him winning the Norris. I think he makes a huge jump in, uh, in this year in this year of his development. Uh, and he's just a catalyst. Like You're talking about is Charlie McAvoy elite and can carry a defense core. I already think that answer... That question has been answered with Dalene, and he's going to prove it this year. My runner-up for Norris is Zach Wierenski in Columbus. I think he's much, much better than Seth Jones, by the way. Um, Mark wow. Ross, MVP. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I, Mark got, Stone. I got McKinnon there, too. Yeah, Mark Stone is the runner-up. The Calder Trophy, I have Igor Shesterkin winning the Calder. First goalie, I think, since 1999 or something to win the Calder Trophy. And a runner-up there, I have Kirill... Uh, Kaprizov in Minnesota Selkie this is always th- a throwaway it's like whoever wins it the previous year just goes on like eight year run something on Sean Couturier with Ryan O'Reilly as the runner up coach of the year Claude Julien runner up Alain Vigneault big year for the French boys and uh, Vezina Trophy John Gibson in Anaheim followed up by Robin Leonard wow I, I also went Couturier for the Selkie I just think that uh is it weird to say that I think that Bergie is now too offensive for the Selkie? Like, he puts up too many points now? <laughs> I think they also penalize him for winning it so much that they're like, ah, he can't be that good anymore. Yeah, like, no, he, he can't be making all that. That's not allowed. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, I had Nate McKinnon in the same spot that you did. Uh, as for, where are we going? We were going Norris. For me, it's hard to get away from Victor Hedman. Yeah. I, I just... I just think he's just 
fucking like like he's Perfect. just the best yeah like it, it's hard to look at the guy any other way i just think he is that good his nickname should be the prototype like let's get that going the, legit yeah like he was made in a fucking test tube like that good i just uh, i don't know uh what what do we have i agree with you on mckinnon uh calder oh. vesna and coach of the year yeah, for Calder, I went too with Shashirkin. I, I think it's funny just the way that he breaks down because he only played X amount of games, so he qualifies for the whole year this year. But, <laughs> yeah, already established, already there. Coach of the year, I am going with – I really do like your pick of uh, Claude Julien because I think he is that good and he's going to get him there. <sighs> Who did I actually want? Because <laughs> my notes are on my other uh, – upstairs there so i'm just uh i don't know who i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with rod brindamore i think he finally gets Ooh, one there okay. all right and uh vesna vesna i am gonna go with the people's champ just because they're that good and they have victor hedman i gotta go with vasileski yeah the the Athletic had the uh, goalie tier rankings, and they basically said Vasilevsky is the perfect goaltender. And I was just like, wait till my Russian goaltender start playing. Yeah, um, the game on, yeah. bitches. Yeah, I for art for the MVP. Obviously, I have McKinnon like you did, and I was just like, man, what a what a race that, that's going to be for like the next few years between McKinnon and Stone, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, it's just really elite level talent and it's just all these guys are still pretty young so they'll be around for a while i just want to see um, the battle between like mcdavid and dry like no i'm the art ross no i'm <laughs> the art ross dude i love mcdavid mcjesus like most talented guy in the league but he it's almost like he forgets there's another half of the ring like well, he's just so bad defensively well you see how explosive he is going forward you never see it going backwards <laughs> so yeah like and that, you never see a video of like a LeBron that block LeBron made in the NBA final you never see a back check from Connor McDavid yeah and all he would have to do is a stick lift that's it <laughs> um, alright so I don't know how in depth you want to get I I only have the Stanley Cup finalist and the Stanley Cup winner for this upcoming year I also have biggest surprise team and biggest disappointment team. I don't know uh, if you have that or not. But uh, so, take it away. Who's your Stanley Cup finalist picks, and who do you have winning? Hold on one sec. I just so m- my wife knows I am in like I am in deep right now in a severe podcast, and I just get a text. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Maybe take the dog out or something. <laughs> She, she's sending me a vacation. Let's go. I'm 100% dead serious. So, it, Which it's one? Uh, it's the Hilton Aruba. Aruba, I, one of the few places accepting Americans right now. Yeah, so she must be. She must have done her research, and I mean, they must be giving the room away. So, all well, right. But by, by the way, since you're on that tangent, get your boy here put down a small. I want to say small. It's not a very small deposit that is fully refundable on a vacation in December to Antarctica to see a eclipse that will not be seen for another 400 years. So, bam. D- did you mean Alaska, or did you mean Antarctica? Antarctica, baby. I gotta be honest, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the stuff. It's actually pretty fucking cool. It's been on a bucket list for a while, just to go down there and uh, 
because not everybody goes there. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Who you have picked? Oh, uh, hopefully your hotel doesn't float away with the polar bear. <laughs> it's but, a, it's uh, a big <laughs> I, I have for my biggest surprise this year, shocker. I have Ottawa. I, I think that that team that, is going to do Ottawa a lot of damage. Send me on a daily fucking basis on Instagram is like unreal, dude. My Stutzel is so hard. <laughs> Like I, I got a hard on for Stutzel. I, I think that team is going to surprise a shit ton of people. And w- whether for good or bad. No, no, not to win the cup. Don't be ridiculous. I didn't say that. I know some <laughs> other people said that. I'm not saying that. Um, right, right. I, I honestly didn't know who to pick as for like a Stanley Cup matchup just because we're having the four teams from each division and then they play a crossover and a cross. So I'm going to have to see how they actually play out like how the fuck people are playing each other to actually give you that matchup. I do think Colorado was in the final. I think they're that good. And see, I like Washington. I really do. I just don't know if without Holtby there, if Samsonov gets them to that cup final. Yeah. You know what? I'll say it. I'm going to say Colorado and Philadelphia. Ooh. All right, that, that's actually pretty exciting. So I'm assuming, who do you have winning? I'm assuming Colorado. I'm going to go with Colorado. I, I think they should be able to after another year. And, I mean, that roster hasn't changed. If anything, it's gotten better. I think they should be able to uh, get to that promised land. Okay. Yeah, so I am with you 100%. I have Colorado after making out of the top three of that division which is going to be a gauntlet once the playoffs come around i have colorado in the stanley cup final for the for the quote-unquote western conference and my other pick carolina hurricanes i do i I like carolina i I just think the hardest part for them is the goaltending but outside of that i think that that team for offense to defense is built very well and i think rob brindamore is a great coach know why i have them because i don't have peter morazic starting in goal in game one of the Stanley Cup final. I have Mark andre Fleury. Well, when you put it like that, the goaltending situation just got a lot better. <laughs> I think at the deadline, Vegas makes that move, and Carolina, they have the cap space, they have the need, they have the young talent. I think they you know, put, push the chips to the center of the table and make a move for the flowery, and then gets them to the cup. I still have Colorado winning, but I think that would be... Like, a lot of teams playing Colorado would be a good Stanley Cup final. But I think, especially, like, a Philly or Carolina, like, that would be a balls-to-the-wall six or seven-game series. Uh, agreed. I think that would be a great series. I really like Jakob Slavin. I think he's I – don't, I don't want to say he's Norris caliber, but he is an incredible defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those are the picks. Uh, well, We'll revisit these once the playoffs come around and then after the playoffs end to see just how fucking stupid we are like we did not this past year because of the whole shutdown, but the year before that when we look back and we're just like, ugh, not not too great. You know Um, what, though? (laughs) Last year, Calgary fucked me, man, with those injuries. Like, I think if that team was completely healthy, they beat Dallas in that series. And then who knows what happens? Johnny Goodrow is going to have a big year. Well, yeah, I mean, allegedly he was on his way out of Calgary, but now he's staying in Calgary. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move over to shout-out. No, today in NHL history today, so we'll move right into shout-outs. Who you got? 
I want to shout out you. I I, I just miss you oh, dearly. Boy. I just the weather it, it's got me down in the dumps, and I, and I just need more of you in my life. So that that that's where I'm at. I am ready ready and willing to make a trip up to Boston as soon as this little stinker here is able to uh, travel a little bit better. She. She rode all the way from St. Louis in the car, so she's fine on a road. It's just a matter of getting her to, you know, understand what going to the bathroom outside means. Well, well now um, she's a teenager. She's just pushing back. <laughs> yeah, so once we get there, I, I would give it another, I would say right around the Lake Tahoe games, I think, would be a, a good time frame for a Boston visit. All right. That'd be a, that'd be a good weekend. Uh, be fucking hammered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different than any other weekend <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that one a little different uh, <laughs> do you have anybody else nope that, that was all just you baby girl alright I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out uh, to my friend Kat who listens every week she I gave her a shout out a couple weeks ago because she's a devil's fan talked a little bit of shit mama say but, you the devil <laughs> uh, but shout out to her uh, she finally finished programs for uh, her certificate programs and everything, and she's finally relocating to a real state and coming across the river to New York. Wow. So I can add one additional friend post-COVID to the Hangout group, which now increases that group to three people. <laughs> yeah, you're in. Um, so <laughs> looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, shout out. Redder because the text that I got well not text but the Instagram message that I got from her before we started recording made me laugh a good decent amount which was probably aided by uh, some herbs that were taken earlier in the day but uh, shout out to Rudder. <laughs> yeah it stimulated the herbs well yeah I was just resting my eyes I set an alarm I was ready to go so I don't want that uh, <laughs> message to be misconstrued I was ready it was a quick just close my eyes I got 10 minutes I'll I'm just studying the on my eyelids. That's all. I'm just I'm just resting for a minute. That's all it is. Hey, it's much it's much better than me trying to wake you up eight o'clock my time in San Francisco and eleven p.m. your time when you have to wake up in like five hours. Yeah, I was gonna say good luck with that because I mean <laughs> I, I remember some of the shit the the way we used to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> a little. I I mean I would get great naps in. It would be a nap and then it would <laughs> r- run up. So yeah, it was uh it was good. <laughs> Oh, also, quick shout out. Mika Zibanejad came back today. His first practice, he did have COVID. Uh, so he has missed all of camp so far, which is a week. But today was his first practice. No idea if he's going to be able to uh, play on Thursday or not. But just glad that he's back healthy. Everything's cleared. And there wasn't an outbreak in New York, even though there's been outbreaks in like four or five cities so far. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh... <laughs> The the star is not looking too good right now. First three games already postponed. So uh, Vancouver, uh, a couple other teams too, right? Columbus. Yeah, I saw the Vancouver one where uh, I love like the original. How it's just like, oh, practice was just canceled, nothing crazy, and then it comes <laughs> out after. But it's like, yeah, um, obviously in a pandemic, like you, you can't even try to blame the players. Like it, it's just fucking wild and crazy at this point as to who's getting it how people are getting it to just be safe mask up wash your hands hand sanny godspeed man <laughs> yeah stay safe we're almost through we're almost through everybody yeah we're we almost need to get the season off 
We need to get a Stanley Cup champion crowned. We need to. We need a distraction. Damn it! We need hockey several times a night on its TV, watching it and enjoying it. That Stop would definitely with these, with these puck bunnies. That that would help me be distracted very much. So, but uh, <laughs> everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. And next week, when you hear us, it'll be us reviewing the first week of the season. So crazy Rangers and Bruins weekend review. Yeah, it'll be back soon enough, and uh, I'm excited. We will see you all then, and then when all this happens, it'll be uh, wild and crazy. It'll be like we're storming into a new season. Catch you all then. Bye-bye. And you ask me what I want this year, and I try to make this kind and clear just a chance that maybe we'll find Better days Cause I don't need boxes Wrapped in strings And desire to love And empty things Just a chance to make